and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, we continue looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. And we see every believer's ongoing struggle with the flesh. The Holy Spirit is our only hope in the spiritual war that lies within us. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. In Romans 7, the verses I'm going to read is your experience after you became a Christian. It's your experience today. It's my experience today. It's going to be our experiences until we see Christ. Ready? Romans 7, verse 15. For what I am doing I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Sin is another concept here of the flesh. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. He looked at his life and said, of this water stuff, nothing good in there. 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. That's my testimony this past week. That's... The struggle we all face, is it not? 20, but if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good, for I joyfully concur, that means agree with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am. We sang a modernized rendition of Amazing Grace. I loved it. It referenced wretch. Guess what? We were wretches before we were saved, and in the process of sanctification until we see Jesus, we still battle our wretchedness. 24, wretched man that I am, and who will set me free from the body of this death? Who will? 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh the law of sin. Paul concluded, yes, I've got this tremendous civil war going on inside of me as a Christian. My sanctification is very spotty. It's up and down. Sometimes I give into my flesh and I sin. And other times let the Holy Spirit of God control me and I produce fruit. I'm a Jekyll and a Hyde as a Christian. Who will deliver me? That ought to be our question. Who will deliver me? Who will neutralize our flesh? Who will hold it in abeyance? Who will remedy it being in control of us? Who? Not you. Not me. Verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. Christ's 
great gift, his precious gift, his valuable gift, his practical gift to us is the Holy Spirit. We were not left alone as orphans when Jesus went to the Father's right hand. The Father sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and he's been indwelling, living inside of true Christians ever since. If you're saved, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. He wants to control your flesh. And he will if you let him. God's gift to us, Christ's gift to us, is the Holy Spirit to neutralize our flesh. And as we walk, letting the Holy Spirit who made our once dead spirit the bullseye alive where it once was dead, as we choose to let the Holy Spirit control our spirit, our relationship with God, control our soul, our relationships with other people, control our bodies with its appetites and its ability to see and hear and feel and taste and such, when the Holy Spirit of God is given control, it's a game changer. in a marriage, in a dating relationship, in a work environment, in a neighborhood. It's a game changer. Because the flesh will never neutralize the flesh, but the Christian's flesh will only be neutralized by the Holy Spirit. Back to Colossians 3 to recap. 3.20. Excuse me, 220, pardon me. If you have died or since you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why as if you were living in the world do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men? These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. What won't work? The sermon title, What Won't Work is the Flesh to Control the Flesh. Hudson Taylor was near suicide more than once as a young Christian man, a man in his 20s. He wanted to serve the Lord. He intensely wanted to take the gospel to other parts of the world, but he was doing the Christian life in his own strength, with his own smarts. He was trying to make himself more holy, and he was a miserable failure. And in his miserable failing to be a good Christian, he got so despondent he wanted to kill himself more than once. His most famous book, Hudson Taylor's most famous book, is Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. And out of the salad bowl of his tremendous pain and his tremendous frustration and his self-effort and his depression and his suicidal ideas, out of that whole flesh effort failure, Hudson Taylor found out what didn't work for him. 
and it won't work for you either. That his flesh would make him a good Christian. That his flesh and trying harder would make him holy. That his flesh would make him joyous. That his flesh would motivate his ministry and missions. He learned all of that wasn't true. He learned. He learned that the spiritual secret of his life is Galatians 2.20. Here it is. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's his secret. An exchange of life. Hudson Taylor's bankrupt flesh life for Jesus Christ's vast wealth of spiritual eternal life. He traded and took Christ as life. And now today's personal God story. We've had a very interesting experience of visiting with Rosanna McCurry twice in our radio studio. And she has been telling us the rather dramatic and fascinating story of her father and uh, where he started as a, a murdering terrorist and wound up uh, meeting Jesus in jail through the mysterious mailing of Christian magazines to him from someplace in New Zealand and through an elderly Christian woman, Miss Gladys, who came to the prison and read your dad the account of Jesus dying on the cross beside, in the middle rather, of two thieves, uh, as found in Luke 4. So we're all dying to know what happened next. Well, so then after that, he was still in prison for a number of years, but his life changed. The bitterness that he had felt before, it went, okay? It, it disappeared. Um, the anger that he felt towards the people who had murdered his father disappeared as well mm. and yeah the guilt that he felt went too so his life really changed um then he was he was in prison for 10 years mm -hmm. so when he got out of prison he became minister and he continued in that in that way wow so he gets out of prison after meeting christ in prison being yeah. changed by jesus increment by increment little by little yeah and he gets he's a free man did he take some Bible training, or, or how did he get ready to be a minister? Yeah, he did. He, so he went to the Belfast Bible College. Mm. Um, so he wanted to become a minister because, obviously, the gospel had so changed his life. Yes. Dramatically, like yes. completely upside down. He wanted to share that with others. Wonderful. Yeah, so he went to the Belfast Bible College um, for two years, I think, mm -hmm. in order to become a minister. And it was there that he met my mum. He met, he met his wife, yes. your mom there in the Bible College. Um, that is a fantastic story mm -hmm. of God's grace um, in showcased in a man's bitter struggle for revenge. It makes me think of how God found your dad. 
Yeah. God made certain that your dad came to grips that there is a God yeah. by sending some magazines from New Zealand. And Absolutely. A, and it's like God sought him out rather than, well, my dad certainly wasn't seeking no. a God or trying to find a God. or No. And that fits like in that. with scripture, like in Ephesians 2, 1, that says, but you were dead in your trespasses yeah. and sins. So that's right. Really, we're incapable of seeking God when we're dead. But God, mm-hmm. in his great mercy, in his perfect plan, in his power, in his sovereignty, he finds us. And your dad's story of how God found him in that uh, maze prison mm-hmm. age block uh, is amazing. And it makes me think of uh, Luke 15 when it said, Jesus said, um, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Uh, that is the heart of God. And the heart of God um, transformed, forgave your dad. And now he, mm-hmm. he has gone and studied the Bible and theology. And he's a minister. Yeah. And he's a minister in a Baptist church. Yes, he is. And tell us about his a little bit about his ministry. Yeah, so he's, um, well, he's a minister, so he does everything that that entails. Yes. You know, he preaches on a Sunday and leads the congregation. And um, he does a lot of, um, he shares his story as well a lot. So I suppose yeah. that's part of his ministry. Absolutely. Yeah, so he kind of travels around the UK and he shares his story with different churches. Um, he goes into schools a lot. Great. Very often. So he shares his story with you know, children in religion classes. Great. Which is very apt for me, of course. Um, so that's what he does. He shares his story. He works to tell people about God and what God's done in his life and what God can do in their life. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I want our listeners to know that, that when you and I visited with Beth and heard this mm-hmm. story, your, your dad's story, I said, we have to get this on the radio. Yeah. But I did say, please, will you check with your dad if we have his permission to do this? And, we do have his permission. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I know, and I'm glad. Yeah. And uh, it's it's an example of Second Corinthians, which basically, chapter 1, which basically says that we have uh, comfort from God in our sufferings mm-hmm. so that we can, in turn, comfort others in their sufferings. Yeah, absolutely. And I should mention as well, you know, it wasn't just my dad who was saved as a result of this. Um, His family as well. So my granny Mm. became a Christian as a result of it. Um, And one of my aunties as well. So God brought hope to my family, really, not just my dad. That is that is great. Yeah. That in, in your dad turning to Christ the blessing rippled out from your dad to to your own family that yes, needed it Jesus. Did. It did. But it continues to ripple out even while we're sitting here in yeah, the Bahamas. It does. It does. He's telling his story to God's glory mm-hmm. in the UK. That is that's excellent. Well I so appreciate uh uh Rosanna you coming to the studio today and 
You're helping us record, you know, the great things that God has done yeah, in your family. Absolutely. It's good to share it. It's uh, always a pleasure to share it. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. we are very blessed to have you uh, worshiping with us at Calvary Bible Church, and we just trust that God will continue to encourage you and bless you as a religion teacher here in the Bahamas and in Nassau. And I'd love to pray with you before we say goodbye for now. Okay. Uh, Gracious God, we thank you that you are the one who seeks after the sheep that are lost, that you leave the 90 and 9 to find the one who has strayed, the one in uh, this case, who has become angry and uh, murderous, the one who doubts that you even exist, the one who laughs at human justice to pronounce a life sentence in prison. Thank you, God, that you um, went after Pastor McCurry when he was in rebellion and violence, and you showed yourself to be real. And you showed him the way of salvation through magazines from New Zealand and a medic in the prison and uh, an older senior citizen who went and read God's word to him. Lord, what a beautiful story. And I pray for the listeners who are out there today or any of the days that this testimony has broadcast who are in their own prisons, either literal or figurative, prisons of... um, Doubt, prisons of atheism, prisons of of anger, prisons of violence, prisons of um, guilty consciences. Lord, I know that you are going to these sheep even now, that you are coming to them in love, you're coming to them in skill, and that you are coming to them with a Savior, the only Savior you've provided, your Son, Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Rosanna and I pray, that those who are listening would not stay in their state of denial of you or unbelief or bitterness or hatred, but, Lord, they would come out of that into all that is Jesus. They would simply say in prayer, a simple prayer, Father God, I have sinned, and I really need your help to be different. I need forgiveness for all that I have done wrong. Thank you that Jesus died in my place on the cross. Thank you that he paid for all of my sins. And I accept that payment given on my behalf by faith in Christ. I want to be cleansed. I need to be cleansed by the blood of Christ from the inside out. I need to be made a new person a person of love, a person of obedience, a person of kindness. Tell God that you believe that God the Father rose Jesus Christ back to life after death to show that sins are paid for without any debt being owed to God. That's your prayer, listener. God has heard you. God has saved you. He said he would save those who turn to him in repentance and in faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Tell someone before you put your head on the pillow tonight, you tell someone that you trusted Jesus to be your savior from sin as the broadcast was brought to you. And then if you would just let us know uh, by way of an email, eocradio at gmail.com. 
or you could phone the church at 242-326-0800, or you could write to us at Calvary Bible Church, P.O. Box N for Nassau, hyphen 1684, Nassau, Bahamas. I'm asking you to reach back to us in one of these ways so we can pray for you and so we can get you some Christian materials to get you started on your new life with Christ. And if you're in Nassau, to invite you to our local church to be a part. We'd love to have you. And if you're on a family island, that we could help you to find a Bible-believing and teaching church wherever you might live. Lord, as we continue in prayer, I thank you for my sister Rosanna. I thank you for her love for Jesus Christ that is so evident in all that she does and says and thinks. I thank you for bringing her to the Bahamas as a gift from you to us. And I pray that her students in her religion classes would learn far more than a religious theory, but they would come to know Christ as personal Lord and Savior. And I pray that Rosanna would find fulfillment in her teaching as she prays for her students and teaches them the Bible. Lord, uh, bless Rosanna. Give her safety as a single person and give her uh, encouragement through uh, her friends at Calvary Bible Church and other Christians that she knows around the island. Thanks for this time. We give you all the glory, all the credit for what you've done in Pastor McCurry's life and what you've done in the listeners' lives that have trusted you for salvation even in these moments. We pray these things, Father, in the Lord Jesus, your precious Son, and our Savior's name together. Amen. Amen. We're talking about ways that we can abuse God's grace There is another way that we can abuse God's grace, and it is to pretend to be saved, to fake salvation. And that is so easy to do, particularly in a country like the Bahamas, I think, because uh, church going has been in the fabric of this nation from her inception, and most Bahamians think it's a good thing to go to church. There are exceptions, of course, but a lot of Bahamians feel that going to church is not a bad thing, and and some do so even though they aren't really yet saved. They have parents perhaps that are saved or grandparents that are saved or a spouse who is saved or a child who is saved, but they themselves may not be saved. They They know the language of the church, but they don't know the Lord of the church. Uh, They know the jargon of Christianity, but they don't know really Jesus. And so it's an abuse of God's grace to uh, pretend to be saved when in fact you know that you aren't. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 19, we read a warning against this. Promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption, For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world, by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it to turn away from the holy commandment delivered to them. Then it gets a little graphic. Verse 22. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. So a person who 
in this context was a false teacher. They knew the language of Christianity. They did not know the Lord of Christianity. They were posing themselves uh, as being teachers from God, but they themselves needed salvation. They were um, aware of facts about Christ, but they had not believed on Christ for their own personal salvations. And so these false teachers uh, are likened to dogs that vomit and then eat up the vomit off the sidewalk, which is gross. And they're likened to a female pig who someone hoses down and gets all clean, and then she runs right back into the mud puddle and uh, splashes around in the mud and gets just as dirty as she was before, or maybe even more dirty. And so it's an, it's an abuse of God's grace to uh, pretend to be a born-again Christian knowing that you aren't that you're an imposter, that you're a a faker, and that you are willing to lead true Christians away from the truth because of your own selfishness and uh, sinfulness. Another way that God's grace is abused is when a person uh, persists in spiritual infancy. When a true Christian just desires to be a baby Christian all their life. They um, know they're saved. They're content with being saved, but they really don't press on with the Lord. They have opportunities to grow in their faith. They, it's not they lack the opportunities. They just don't take up upon those opportunities. They, they're perpetually uh, baby Christians. And that's an abuse of God's grace because God didn't save any of us that we would just be stunted and remain uh, spiritual babies until we go to heaven. No, uh, to persist in spiritual infancy as a Christian is to abuse God's grace. And we read of this in, in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we shall do if God permits. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For the ground that drinks the rain which often falls upon it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it also is tilled receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles and is worthless and close to being cursed, it ends up being burned. Some people say these verses teach that we can lose our salvation, but I do not think that's what they are teaching. They're teaching that there's a danger in remaining perpetually remaining spiritually immature as a Christian. If you remain spiritually immature as a Christian, you can't go back on the years you've wasted. When you waste months or years as an immature believer, you can't come into maturity and say, "Wish I'll just do those years over again. I'll just hit reboot and I'll, I'll be able to live maturely those years that have already passed for me. No, you can't do that. And uh, really, uh, it's an abuse of God's grace 
to just uh, persist in spiritual infancy. Uh, God means for every Christian, the healthy Christian life is to progress from the milk of the word to the meat of the word and not to just be in, as it were, spiritual diapers until you go to heaven. So we don't want to abuse God's grace by persisting in spiritual infancy. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.